I want to read to you out of Psalm chapter 144, verse 1 to 4. Psalm 144, verse 1 to 4. I want to continue a series that I did a couple of weeks ago called The Pattern to Victory. And, uh, you know, many times in life, you know, many people that I meet, we often look great on the outside, but we often battle with things on the inside. You know, one of the great powers of the Christian faith is that God can give the ability to have victory on the inside of your life. And even though, you know, we are probably the wealthiest generation that we're, what we've ever been, and we've gone through so many challenges over the last period of time, the reality is so many people struggle with issues and problems on the inside. But let me encourage you this morning, when Jesus Christ went to the cross and he rose again from the dead, we live a victorious faith. We can believe in a God that can give us victory on the inside. Come on, if you believe it this morning, say amen. So I want to talk to you this morning about the pattern to victory, how you can have personal breakthrough. Psalm 144 is just a great scripture that I think that we can glean some things out of. And it says this at the beginning, it says, of David. So it's speaking about King David. Praise be to the Lord, my rock, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. He is my loving God and my fortress my stronghold and my deliverer, my shield in whom I take refuge, who subdues peoples under me. Lord, what are human beings that you care for them? Mere mortals that you think of them. They are like a breath. Their days are like a fleeting shadow. You know, when I read this passage, I began to think that we don't often think of victory uh, in this context. But think about it, that when it comes to any battle or any challenge that you and I go through, training is so important. To be trained to live victorious, to be developed in our own lives for continual breakthrough, to be trained for deliverance. I mean, church, think about it. You know, we train for our career, we train for our health, we train to get better in so many areas, but what about personal victory? What about personal breakthrough? What about some of the personal challenges that we battle with? You know, many times we want an instantaneous hit from God, but maybe God wants to train our lives to live in continual victory, not just instantaneous victory. Psalm 142 verse 7, David writes, he says, set me free from my prison, that I may praise your name. The King James says, bring my soul out of prison. In other words, David is talking about an internal prison of his own making. You know, there are so many people that I meet in life that have got a living in an internal prison of their own challenges and difficulties and and stresses and mental challenges. But I believe the Holy Spirit wants to develop us, that we are consistently living free of those things, that we are not going one step forward and two step back. You can believe today as a believer in Jesus that God can give you continual personal victory on the inside. You know, I love what the Bible says about Peter and John as they're preaching. Acts 4 verse 13. It says, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men. The world saw them as ignorant. 
They marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. You know, church, they may have been unlearned and unlearned from the standards of the synagogue and the religious ordinance of that day, but they were not ignorant or unlearned when it came to breakthrough and arising above their own limitations. And I love what it says here. And they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. In other words, church, Jesus, the trainer, the developer of their souls. And you know, many times we look at so many words or names that describe God in the Bible, as in God the Father, and God the Deliverer, and God the Provider, and God the King. But what about God the Trainer? This is what David is saying. God who trains my hands for war. And if you think about it, it makes sense, doesn't it? Because God knows you better than anyone else. God knows you better than what you know yourself. A God who loves you. A trainer who is with you. A trainer who is for you. A PT who knows how to get the best out of you. And just maybe 2022 is not about all the stuff that's happened to you, but maybe 2022 is about God getting the best out of you and me. Can I ask you today, did COVID get the worst out of you or did God get the best out of you? See, we have an amazing ability to understand that because we have a personal relationship with Jesus, it's not just some religious thing that we say to make us feel nice, but because of our walk with God, we can expect that God can make us the best that we can ever be because of the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Isaiah, look at Isaiah. Chapter 28, verse 23 to 29. He says, listen to me and pay close attention. Does a farmer always plough and never sow? Is he forever cultivating the soil and never planting? Does he finally plant his seeds, black cumin, cumin, wheat, barley and emma wheat, each in its proper way and each in its proper place? The farmer knows just what to do for God has given him understanding. A heavy sleigh is never used to thrash black cumin. Rather, it is beaten with a light stick. A threshing wheel is never used to roll on cumin. Instead, it is beaten lightly with a flail. Grain for bread is not easily crushed, so it does not keep on pounding it. He threshes it under the wheels of the cart, but he does not pulverize it. Listen to this, verse 29. The Lord of heaven's armies is a wonderful teacher. He gives the farmer great wisdom. I'll be honest, I was never the teacher's pet. I never knew why, because I thought I was okay. Never really was the one that the teacher was, other than my primary school teacher. My primary school teacher was fantastic. You know, the first day that I was here at Faith, 12 years ago, I walked in the door, this wonderful lady came up to me, and she goes, do you remember me? I said, no. She goes, I was your primary school teacher. Joan, she's up there, give us a wave. My first primary school teacher, how cool is that? Throughout my whole life, I was never the teacher's pet. I think I always frustrated the teachers. And sometimes I found it hard to learn because I never felt that they were with me. Church, God is not like that. He is with us all the time. By the way, by the way, it is wonderful to have Pastor Alan and Joan in the house today. (laughs) 
Pastor Alan's going to be preaching in the month of June. It's going to be absolutely fantastic. How good is that, eh? Fantastic. He ran me and he said, oh, he said, I, I'm reckon to, I'm, he goes, I reckon I'm ready to go again. I said, great, we've got 10 services on a Sunday. <laughs> David remembers his battle with Goliath. He recognizes that God trained David to fight the, the giant. The reality is this, is that God does train us for victory. Whether we see it or not, church, it is a foregone conclusion. Victory for big things, victory for things that are beyond us, big issues, big problems, big challenges, challenges that look insurmountable. And I guess the challenge is this, and if I look at this passage, there's a number of questions that we need to ask ourselves, and that is, well, how did God train David? If we're going to say that God is the trainer, God is the developer of our souls, then how did God train David? You say, how did God do that? I want you to show me how God challenged him and trained him and show me the regime, show me the system, show me the process. I mean, we don't see an example of David with the angel as he's about to fire the slingshot at Goliath. And we don't get this picture of this angel coming around David saying, now listen, I'm just going to put my arm around here and I'm going to teach you how to actually make sure that you've got the angle right. It's not like David was getting golf lessons. How did God train David? I'll be honest, today I can't narrow it down to one precise moment. And the reason why I can't is because it was everything. God used it all in David's life to direct and shape David's life according to the way that God saw fit. Think about it. Growing up, tending the sheep. Maybe the numerous times that the lion and the bear came out. At that moment to attack the flock. God in that moment was shaping and training David. Think about David's family issues. The rejection from his brothers. The lack of attention from his father. I mean, after Samuel anointed David, we don't see his family gather around him and say, we always knew it. If anything, there was a sense within them that would say, why, me? why him? There's a gap of the family that had ignored the anointing that was on Samuel's life, so um, David's life, when he's in King Saul's presence, playing the instruments, and King Saul trying to kill him. All of those things God was using to train something in David. Just think about the very thought that God puts in Jesse's father's mind to go ahead and give David some food to look after his brothers. And David arrives at the precisely the right time as Goliath is shouting his taunts. And because of that, it triggers a process of events that made David become king. I mean, think about all the different interactions and intersections, moment that David would have no idea about, yet all of this played into the fact, church, that God was developing him and God was training him. You know, we are so linear in our thinking, aren't we? We are so ABC. We think training from heaven is so direct and, and so physical. But God does move things. He put things in our heart. He puts a dream in our mind, a, a normal idea that sets off a motion. He brings an obstacle in our way that we think is going to kill us. He allows us to go through rejection and hurt. He puts a Goliath in front of our path to make something rise within us all for one purpose, and that is to develop us for battle. And my challenge for you today is, is that God is training you, but do you see it? 
Do you perceive it? David sees all of this. It's everything. Throughout the course of David's life, through his ups and his downs and his hurts and his responsibilities, throughout his life, God was training him for battle. So you've got to ask yourself, well, what did David learn? If David was saying that because of who he is today, it's because God trained him and developed him, then what did David learn? What is the training? What is the lesson from God the trainer? I think he lists it here in this next part of this passage. He says, he is my loving God and my fortress, my stronghold and my deliverer, my shield in whom I take refuge, who subdues peoples under me. Church, what did David learn from God the trainer? That God is a loving God, he's a fortress, he's a stronghold, he's a deliverer, he's a shield. David can take refuge because who God is. And God will subdue and dominate the issue. Think about it. What did David learn from God? David very simply learned that in God there is safety. He learned that God is David's safety net. It's a position of safety and security that David learned throughout his life. Church, God was training his faith that no matter what David faced, David was safe. David was always safe as long as he trusted God. And it didn't matter what Goliath came after him. It didn't matter what King Saul tried to kill him. It didn't matter what circumstances surrounded him. It didn't matter what it looked on the outside. David was safe because God was his refuge. A position of safety and security. You know, when we go to battle... And God wants to bring us to a point that we know, that we know, that we know that we are safe in his arms. When God trains you, he is your safety net. You don't need another one. I mean, think about it. When you are facing a Goliath, how can you actually put your first best step forward if you're constantly looking behind you? How can you give your best shot if you don't know what's going to come around the edges? I love what Isaiah 52 verse 12 says. But you will not leave in haste or go in a fight. For the Lord will go before you. The God of Israel will be your rear guard. You know, there are many people in life that never, ever, ever have that revelation. That they are safe in God. We get so rattled about the, the giants and the, the fears and the concerns. That, I'll tell you what, the COVID period, you know, you'll probably hear me say this for the next six months. People just thought the whole world was going to fall apart. Are you confident that no matter what happens on the outside that you are always protected by the Holy Spirit. And David had that revelation. It was something that God had taught him throughout his life. What you and I often do is we have a bad experience. We say, I never want to go through that again, and so we recoil. We hold back. We say, I'm done, no more training. We often create our own safety nets. Let me give you a couple of them today. Mediocrity. I believe mediocrity is a safety net. What a great safety net. Don't extend yourself. Don't step out in faith. Don't do what God has asked you to do in case I'll get it wrong. A lack of vision and purpose, that's another great safety net. Just don't do anything that will ask or demand anything of me that will stretch me beyond my means. Listen, church, we create our own safety nets and we live lives of mediocrity rather than actually completely putting our trust in God and understanding that when we take a step of faith, 
And when we begin to say, God, you are in control of my life, it's amazing how God protects us on every single side. You know, I was reading this, I'll just throw this in, I was reading this in Ezra the other day, and I love this story, and Ezra is leading the exile back from Babylon, back to Jerusalem, and he had found favour with the king, and the king says to him, he goes, listen, you can have protection throughout your journey. And in kind of Ezra's best voice, he goes, yes, God is with us, and God's going to look after us, and God's going to take care of us. But when Ezra leaves the king's presence, as he's taking God's people back to Jerusalem, the enormity of these thousands of people kind of grips his heart, and he, he thinks, man, what have I done? Because the reality was, from that journey, there were robbers, and there were thieves, and there was historically along that road, people died along that road as they got robbed. And he said to me, I own heart, he goes, I should have asked for that protection. I should have taken that resource or that opportunity. And the temptation comes for Ezra to create his own safety net. But now he's in a bind because he's made this statement of faith. Look what he says here in Ezra 8 verse 22. He says, I was ashamed to ask the king for soldiers and horsemen to protect us from the enemies on the road because we had told the king the gracious hand of our God is on everyone who looks to him. But his great anger is against all who forsake him. In other words, he put himself out there. God is going to do something amazing. Then he's going, oh my goodness, what have I done? But the reality was God did protect him. The reality, he didn't need to go to the king for help. He didn't need to go to that resource. Look what he says in verse 23. So we fasted and petitioned our God about this. And he answered our prayer. He answered our prayer. It was all okay. They were safe. Because God was with them. They didn't need the king or the resource. What else did David learn? Well, David learned no matter what he encountered, he was safe. The second thing that David learned, he says it here in the second part of this verse. He says, what are human beings that you care for them? Mere mortals that you think of them. They are like a breath. Their days are like a fleeting shadow. You know, church, I'm always reminded of this passage that when I do a funeral... And invariably, in the, the section on the funeral after the, the eulogy and some of the thing, nice things that have been said, they'll have the life in pictures. And I'm always fascinated when the images come up on the screen. Black and white photos. Discoloured photos of when they were teenagers. That 70s look with the long hair. There's always one in there. The latter years. They're now as grandparents. White hair. And then it's literally over within three to four minutes. And I'm always reminded how fleeting our lives are. I was talking to my mother-in-law the other day. She's just, Frank was in Adelaide just last week visiting her. And she's slowing down. I'll be honest, I mean, it's a silly thing of me, but I just think that my parents are just going to go on forever. The revelation that I had this year, you ready? My big revelation. As I get older, my parents get older. Have you noticed that? And she was saying, I've slowed down. I'm not as kind of, not as energetic as what I used to be. But I do love what she said to me in Adelaide over Christmas. She said, you know, my body may be going older and slower, but my spirit is still like it was a young girl. I mean, David's thinking about this. I wouldn't say it is the most inspirational thought going to war. Not only fleeting, but our lives are fragile. We often forget that with all of the 
the things that we surround our lives with, our cars and our houses and our wealth and our jobs and all these types of things, we forget that not only are our lives fleeting, but our lives are fragile as well. I mean, if you ever want to get a revelation how fragile your life is, just jump on a plane during a storm. I remember years ago when we were traveling through Europe and one of the things that we do when we go through Europe is that we try to get the low-cost airlines. You know, we try to find something that's really cheap and some of them over there, you can go from country to country for like 40, 50 bucks. And so Frank and I decided to get this low-cost airline to go from one country to the next. And my daughter reminded me this of this last night. And as we jump on the plane, I mean, it was a turbulent flight and we land at the end and everyone starts clapping and cheering. It was almost like it, 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 it was a bonus, the fact that we landed. And I said, do they do that? They go, yeah, they do that all the time. Our lives are fragile. Our lives are fleeting. But what did David learn in his fleeting life from God the trainer? That even though he's a king with great position and influence, at the end of the day, his life is fragile and insignificant. And I honestly believe that God was training David in his grace, the grace of God. That King David is what he is because of the grace of God. Look, I don't want to sound discouraging this morning, but in an age of personal empowerment, <laughs> it's all about the individual being empowered. The reality is it doesn't matter how many dreams we have or how many mountains we conquer or how much we declare, I'm strong and invincible in the large scheme of things, you and I are insignificant. Our time on earth is like a breath. It's a speck. But God still uses us. God says, I choose to use you. I think the biggest issue is not that God chooses us regardless of our failings. But God chooses to train and develop us despite of our insignificance. God chooses you to be part of his plan. God chooses you. You know what? I've had big dreams. I have big dreams, but I realize in the scheme of the universe, they are completely insignificant. But I thank God that God chooses to use me as part of his plan here on earth. And my significance does not come in my title and my position, but my significance comes from him, the author and the finisher of my faith. And David's writing this, who is the king? He was influential and he goes, I recognize that I'm really just a speck. I'm nothing at all. So I would encourage you this morning, rejoice in your insignificance. Rejoice that you are a speck of dust. Some of you are going, he's lost his mind this morning. If you and I are going to face Goliaths in our life, if we're going to live in personal victory, we've got to get a revelation that God is our strength that we cannot do it in our own strength. That we may decrease so that he may increase in our lives. So that we may recognize that without him, we are nothing. I want the musicians to come. The grace of God. The grace of God over your family. I'll say this, say this to you today, that my family is blessed, not because I'm a great dad, but because of the grace of God over my family. I would say that I'm in the right place at the right time, not because I've got anything 
of knowledge in those areas, but because of the grace of God over my life. That we are who we are. That all the good that has come out of our lives is because of the grace of God. God was training David throughout his whole life. He was developing and shaping him, moulding him. It was moulding him and understanding that God was always his safety net. God would always take care of David no matter what Goliath he faced. And God was giving David a revelation, a powerful revelation, that no matter how great a king he was, God was the one that would be the strength in his life. Do you have that revelation today? You know, one of the things that I've always seen that's quite amazed me is that when you go to some of the, the countries around the globe where there's, there's no wealth, people have got absolutely nothing. There is a faith and a strength in God that we don't see in the Western world because people have a revelation that without God, they are nothing. Can I encourage you today? I've been at many people's bedside on the, just before they passed away. The revelation, they can't take anything with them. That really, we are just insignificant compared to what's happening in the universe. But God is the one who can bring us purpose and destiny in our lives.